Hi, I'm Ty Cooper, and this is NJEDA eConversations. First and foremost, happy Black History Month, everybody. Happy, happy, happy Black History Month. Um, So super excited to have this great panel that we have before us. I'm going to provide a little bit of context for what we're doing as a state, then I get to introduce this phenomenal panel. Um, Throughout his administration, Governor Phil Murphy has taken a whole government approach to creating a stronger, fairer, and most importantly, more equitable New Jersey economy. As part of our actions to achieve this goal, the NJEDA has worked with our partners in the public and private sectors to develop programs and initiatives with equity in mind. This podcast will serve to showcase these programs and partnerships and to highlight the contributions that black and brown owned businesses make to New Jersey's economy, not just during the month of February, but each and every single day. And so with that, I am incredibly proud to introduce our speakers. We have our CEO of NJEDA, Tim Sullivan, We have Michelle Bowden, who is the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer, the very first one we've ever had at NJEDA, so super excited about that. We have the Honorable, he's got so many titles now, I don't know what to call him anymore, but he is John Harmon, who is the President and Founder of the New Jersey African American Chamber of Commerce and has also been appointed to, I think, like 20 boards over the past couple months, so congratulations to all of your appointments recently. Um, And then I am also super excited to be joined here today by Tara Dowdell, who is the president of the Tara Dowdell Group. Um, She's an accomplished entrepreneur and communication strategist, and Tara has been kicking butt and taking names as a partner with EDA on all of our initiatives during the COVID crisis. So welcome, everybody. Super glad to have you here. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to start off first and foremost talking about just kind of partnerships. Um, I led off by talking about equity and that being super important for the governor's administration and what we're doing here at EDA. I'd love to start off talking with John, you first about the importance of these partnerships that we have with you, with the chamber, and then Tara with you as a small business owner. And Tim, if you want to provide some more context before we jump into that, you're more than welcome to. I think John should lead us off. Absolutely. There you go. Well, uh, thank you all for allowing me to hang out with such a distinguished group of folks. And um, the question is just um, a perfect one for me is partnerships make the difference. And at the end of the day, we forged a relationship with Tim Sullivan and, and the amazing folks at the New Jersey Economic Development Authority to really mitigate some of the systemic challenges that face black businesses in here in New Jersey. One of the most significant initiatives was the bonding technical assistance program. And without a bond, you cannot do a public contract over $200,000. And see Governor Murphy stand up, fund it, and, and Tim Sullivan and his team really uh, orchestrate a process that was seamless. And uh, we've been able to make a difference in, in New Jersey, about $20 million in bonding for small businesses in the course of just, just a couple years. And then the other piece, uh, uh, the technical assistance programming, It started off um, in the midst of the pandemic and the George Floyd uprising, able to work with the EDA and leverage resources to get money to people who could not get served at their own banks, unfortunately. And we're able to turn that around rather quickly and put a lot of smiles on people's faces that were uh, experiencing a lot of pain. So we we heads off to the EDA. And then the last thing I'll say, Recently, um, Luke Capital, one of our members, did a major uh, multi-million dollar project with the New Jersey Economic Development Authority. And uh, seeing more black 
uh, money management firms and investment banking firms participate in, in the state of New Jersey is a game changer. Thank you. That's awesome. I'm going to jump over to Tara. Let's talk about the importance of partnerships, Ms. TDG Group. <laughs> well, I think partnerships are obviously critical. I mean, I, I agree with and echo everything that John Harmon said because uh, he's always spot on and right. And But I do think that for small businesses, we need partnerships, right? So we need better partnerships with government. And I first of all, want to just congratulate NJEDA on the work that you've done, because what you've done is you've looked at the small business landscape and you understand that there is that oftentimes it's the quote unquote bigger small businesses, right? Because the federal government defines small businesses as having up to 500 employees. And mm. so what you understand as an agency and as an authority and what we want all government agencies to understand is that those things that are applicable for a 500 or 450 person company are not the same for a zero to five company, a micro business, a micro small business. So we need programs that understand those distinctions, those nuances and understand the specific needs of the principal job creators. And those are the zero to 20 uh, companies that understand that the hardest time to grow is five to 10 employees. That's right. The data shows that once you reach 30 employees, it becomes much, much easier. But the hardest threshold is to get that threshold. And that's actually where we are right now as a company. We're at seven. Right. And so that's that hard threshold between five and 10. And so we need government policy incentives and programs that speak to the specific needs and the specific challenges that small businesses face. And that is what you've done in the architecture of the programs that you've created. And that's partnership because you also partnered with small businesses like ours so that when you roll these programs out or prior to rolling them out, we had an opportunity to look at them with you and say, oh, from a small business owner perspective, we recommend doing X, Y, or Z. But in the absence of those partnerships, in the absence of government saying, we're not just going to partner with the big mm -hmm. consulting firms. We're not we're going to partner with the people who understand the audiences that we are most vulnerable and who we need to reach the most and the ones who are most impacted anytime anything happens. Uh, that is uh, a crisis or an emergency like the current public health crisis and public health emergency that we're facing. Tara, you just made me feel like I could climb every mountain right now. So thank you for that. I think I needed that. And I, and I truly appreciate it so much. Uh, Michelle, I'm going to get to you in a second because I have a specific question for you. But Tim, I like the word that Tara used, the architect behind all this, right? So you were very intentional about partnerships um, from your from, from the inception of you being at EDA. Do you want to talk about the importance of those partnerships from when you started to now and why those are so important? Yeah, I think, I think one of the reasons I... I um, I look to partner and partnerships so often is that's how you learn and it's how you get better. I already know what I think. And even my colleagues, two of my distinguished ones who are on this call today, three of them, um, you know, we know what we think, uh, but you get better and you get smarter by working with lots of other people and listening and being willing to take that feedback. And that's what sort of partnership means. There's a difference between a partnership and, and sort of a, a just working together. Partnership means, you know, sometimes John calls me up and says, hey, I got some opinions on some things that aren't you, you guys aren't doing right. And that's what you're supposed to do. That's how it works. That's how friends and partners work together. Tara does the same thing. You know, we think you're doing X, Y and Z. OK, but, you know, a couple of things you could get better on. That's a partnership. That's how you get better. 
Uh, and I think, you know, uh, you, I think misdescribed me as the architect. I think that that tone comes from Governor Murphy on down to all of us who, who are part of the team, um, that that's how we're supposed to operate. We, you know, we, we, we don't have a monopoly on good ideas. Uh, we sure as heck haven't cracked the code on a lot of important things, although we're trying real hard. Um, this area, you know, this policy area is one of them, but by no means the only. And again, that's how partners have a give and take and a to and fro, and that's how you learn and get better. And if we're not trying to get better, then, then what are we doing? That's awesome. We're going to go into detail about some more of these partnerships because they, again, they span the board with all the work that we're doing at EDA for a number of reasons. Um, for Michelle, like I said, you are the first ever chief diversity, equity and inclusion officer. I had to make sure I got everything in there right this time. Um, but you use the term diversity on purpose when highlighting the importance of integrating diversity and inclusion into all aspects of New Jersey's workforce. Tell us a little bit more about what that means, what that term means, and how it guides you and your team with your work at EDA as you roll out new programs and initiatives. Okay, well, I'd just like to say I'm so happy, happy, happy to be here. Um, and for us to be highlighting, you know, uh, Black History Month is just, is you know, it's, it's not only important, it's a part of our history here in New Jersey and a part of our, you know, American history. So. Um, being here amongst this illustrious panel is is just all good stuff. Um, when we talk about diversity on purpose and cognitive diversity, which, um, you know, diverse backgrounds, not only being recognized for the diversity, but valued, you know, that that word valued and embraced um, are two buzzwords. But um, when we drill down into that, that's that's the difference. You know, the diversity part is um, a little easier to uh, achieve than the inclusion part mm -hmm. and having an inclusive workplace and uh, workforce because of what we do here at EDA collectively, having the responsibility to produce um, programs, services that are reflective of the communities and the businesses um, that we serve here in New Jersey. Bringing that diverse talent into one under one um, agency mm -hmm. um, and carefully nurturing that workplace helps to create an organization that's not only resilient but it's responsive and it's effective. You know, to the people of New Jersey. New Jersey is one of the most we we say it all the time. New Jersey is one of the most diverse states in the nation, and so um, because of that. You know, we have, you know, uh, just so much uh, and so many different collective um, voices at the table. That collaborative work environment um, where employees feel valued and embraced again and understand their value and recognized, that translates and goes way beyond the optics of the way it looks. It, it, it incorporates the power of just how we have, you know, in our in our purview, the power to change society as a as in large and in a large part, you know, not just for um, New Jersey's ecosystem, but, you know, society at, at large. Now, I, I appreciate that. And I would say even things down to the messages that you're sending out through the internal comms channel matter. The fact that we're acknowledging Black History Month, the fact that we're acknowledging all these different holidays that do come up throughout the year. It's something that we haven't done at EDH traditionally, but we are doing that now. And I think that's super awesome. Um, and so really happy about that. I'm going to go back to one of the earlier questions, and I, I'm sorry I missed this one, John. Um, I wanted you guys to talk a little bit about what you did. And so for John, um, black and brown owned businesses, and in New Jersey it says there's something like 80,000 of them here, mm -hmm. have a tremendous impact on our economy. Your organization is dedicated to economically empowering and sustaining African-American communities and businesses through entrepreneurship 
and capitalistic initiatives throughout the state. Can you talk about some of these initiatives and how the chamber is fostering opportunities for business owners of color? You know, I think the biggest point, um, and, and Tim made it, was about partnerships, partnerships that matter. And when we established this organization, I had um, been privileged to be president of a regional chamber for about 10 years. And what I realized that our growth was outside of our 25 mile radius. But what really got my attention was I was at a meeting with Governor McGreevy at the time. And um, most of the folks around the table were not, uh, that represented black people were not business people. And so that in itself made me think there's a disconnect here. There's a, there's a political relationship or political exchange, but there was no direct connection to where the resources and opportunities were. And I, that was at the highest level of government, but the relationship that existed was not focused on the economics. And so I realized we needed an organization that could connect at the highest level of government and similarly in the in the private sector because as you drill down deep on the state's balance sheet uh, the black community has a lot of uh, putting a lot of pressure from the liability side you know the high poverty the high unemployment the the low uh, net worth the health conditions so we needed an organization that could really be connected to the resources and opportunities and information such as the EDA to mitigate those challenges. And, and fortunately, over the last, um, uh, going on 14 years now, we've made um, our presence known and we're, we're slowly making an impact to mitigate and bring down some of those systemic barriers. That's awesome. I, I appreciate that so much. And I appreciate the, the content and the context for everything that you're doing and bringing to this state. I'm going to pivot back over to Tara. So Tara, you know the statistics nationally have been deplorable um, and black and brown businesses have been impacted disproportionately when it comes to COVID. As a small business owner who heads her own firm, you've been a vocal and passionate advocate for the small business community, particularly for those individuals that have been historically underrepresented. Um, we touched on it before, but you've also played a huge role in helping to kind of shape the policies that we're rolling out for small business owners. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and then also talk about why at this moment in time, it's so important to support local black and brown businesses? Thank you for the question, Ty. And I didn't say earlier, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate <laughs> this opportunity. And so I want to make sure I say that uh, because I really do. I appreciate the platform and I appreciate that you're doing this because it is an opportunity to educate and inform. And so first and foremost, I would say that supporting black and brown businesses is not just supporting black and brown businesses. It is supporting the economy of the state of New Jersey. It is supporting the economy of this country. And I wanna use an example from my own business. We employ, as I mentioned earlier, we're, we are just above a micro business, but we're still amongst the smallest businesses. And we employ seven people. And if you read the latest jobs report from December, not the latest, not the January jobs report, but the December jobs report, of all of the job losses that this country sustains in the month of December, they were all black and brown women. I just hired two black women in January and one was unemployed and one was underemployed. And so 
I, as a small business owner, I can tell you in the marketing industry, and I'm going to be very candid. If you look at most marketing firms with some, some exceptions, if you look at most marketing firms, the composition of those firms do not include a lot of black and brown people, period, and particularly black people. It is very hard for the marketing industry likes to hire a certain type of person and they have a certain perception and that perception drives their hiring and they don't hire a lot of people of color, period. When you see a lot of people of color on their websites, that's their operations overseas. That's their office in Tokyo. That's their office in Nairobi, Kenya. It is not their offices here in the United States of America. And so for me, I evaluate people on merit and obviously our target audiences. And we have a very diverse client base. And when I talk about the fact that I hired two black women recently, those are two black women who are no longer a part of those statistics and two black women that deserve to be hired. I also have a white male that works for me. I also have an Asian male that works for me. So I'm not just employing people from my own community, but am I employing and will I continue to employ a disproportionate number of people from my community? Absolutely, because my community is disproportionately impacted by racial discrimination that impacts our economic growth. And so the truth of the matter is that Black employers are more likely to give Black people an equal and fair shot at employment opportunities. And until that changes, we need to, well, we always need to support all businesses on their merits, but we need to especially support Black businesses because we contribute to the economy. We contribute to employment. We contribute to people's, uh, what people enjoy. We're in the hospitality business. We, we, we are there to provide services that people enjoy. Uh, and, and, and I want to make one other point because uh, this is something that's been on, sort of weighing on me. And I had this conversation with someone that uh, John Harmon, your name came up. I want to make a point about the industries that we are disproportionately represented in. We need to, as a culture, better respect those industries. Mm. The fact that there are a lot of black people that have outreach firms or PR firms or marketing firms, maybe disproportionately, right? Our firms add value. Guess what? If you're trying to do a project, we do outreach work for a major, for a major, John knows this, a major transportation infrastructure company. Guess what? If they're trying to build a major transportation infrastructure project, that project doesn't happen without good and effective outreach. So it doesn't matter how many engineers, it doesn't have any architects you have on the project. If the outreach isn't done right, the community doesn't support the, 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 uh, the project. The project is either slowed down, which harms the economy and harms people, or the project doesn't move forward at all. So we also need to respect the industries that we disproportionately represent in. And I will say why people don't respect them. They don't respect those industries because we disproportionately are represented in those industries. And then we also need to make sure we support black and brown business owners because it ultimately puts money in all of our pockets. No, I, I, I appreciate the framing and the context. I think you made some really, really great points. What I do want to make sure I just pivot to is, again, as a state agency, um, the work we're kind of doing at EDA and so much of that has been driven and led by our CEO. The fact that we're hiring diverse uh, marketing firms was intentional by him. The fact that we're looking at the number of small businesses that have been impacted are intentional 
by our CEO. And so I know he'll be shy and say, no, it's the team, but leadership really does come from the top. And I've said this to him before, change is so uncomfortable. Change is not for comfort. And so, Tim, I know that Stronger and Fair is at the heart of what the governor is doing. And here at NJEDA, you really have been spearheading such a, a dramatic change in how this organization operates, um, especially when it comes to supporting black and brown businesses, black and brown firms. Can we talk about the strategy behind that goal and kind of how do you think we're doing? Clearly not like mission accomplished, but like how, how do you feel about the work that's happening here thus far? Yeah, again, I think the tone comes from the top and Governor Murphy and, and the commitments he's laid out, not just for economic growth and economic development, but for so many things in his administration. Uh, and I think uh, it's it's um, it's hard to follow what Tara was just saying. I'm, I'm, I was blown away by the strength of what she had to say and the, the truth of what she just had to say. And I'm just, you know, still processing and thinking about that. So I apologize if I'm uh, if I'm not crisp here. But yeah, look, I think um, I, I would you're not you don't get to give yourself grades. Um, but I think, you know, I'm 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 proud of the step, some of the early steps we've taken. We've been at this for three years under Governor Murphy's leadership. Um, by no means have we cracked the code or gotten enough done, but I think we've made some progress within EDA and, of course, within the state. Um, but it, we have so much work to do, and you know, this is. I think it starts with a couple things. I think John hit on this earlier as well, as did Tara, as did both Ty and Michelle. And I think the governor sets the tone for this. It's about acknowledging the reality and the truth of the institutional and structural nature of the racism we're describing. It. This isn't like hoping for the you know a slight shift and a little bit of this and a little bit of that and it's going to fix all the problems in the world it's not there's institutional and structural things that have you know that are not new covid has exacerbated and laid them bare uh, in a lot of ways but not new um, they're they're depressingly and sadly quite old um, but it's about recognizing that structure that we've got to you know um, fix um and that that happens you know that's you know uh, a million different things have to happen for that to, to get fixed, but it starts with setting that tone and sort of acknowledging that truth and that reality. I think Governor Murphy and Lieutenant Governor Oliver in particular, I think get, should get excellent grades for reinforcing that, um, that theme. Uh, in terms of the EDA, I think, you know, uh, again, we're, we're, we're trying to pivot and broaden, you know, not just, not just who we are. I think one of, one of the important things about Michelle's set of responsibilities inside our shop is that she's got sort of two sets of responsibilities. One is who we are, you know, who's in our building, who's at, who's around our table internally, and, and are we hiring and promoting and advancing folks equitably and, and with diversity and inclusion in mind? That's really important. But who, who do we serve? Uh, and so thinking about things on the programmatic side, are our programs uh, built to um, uh, do what we want to do around these equity and inclusion goals externally? Uh, I think the COVID programs are a great example of that, Ty and, and Michelle, you know, were the architects of uh, some of the efforts we all the efforts we made around uh, making sure that the grant money that we're responsible for overseeing got as broadly distributed and particularly to minority and women-owned businesses uh, as it can be. I think something like 30% of the dollars got to um, businesses owned by uh, people of color and 30% to women, not overlapping 100% there. But and again, you would never say mission accomplished. That's a good number, but it's certainly a lot better than a lot of other programs have done. So, um, I, you know, I think you know I'm optimistic we can continue to make progress, but it's it's going to take um, you know concerted uh, purposeful, intentional effort, and you know the the leadership of folks like you know my colleagues who are on the call, and lots of others who aren't on the call, um, uh, is how we how we sort of get this right long term. We have by no means figured it out to get it right long term, but we're working like heck to do so. 
Michelle, really quickly, um, I know that this is a new role and there are so many programs and I want to hit on the programs that we're focusing on that are different right now. It's one of those things that you're looking at each of the programs that we have at EDA and ensuring that diversity is woven through them. Do you want to high level kind of talk about any of the things that are happening with the port or any things that are happening on the VC side? Completely up to you, but I think it's important just to note for this audience that there's a difference and there's a shift happening at EDA and you're behind a lot of that shift. Yeah, I, um, you know, we, as Tim mentioned, you know, when I came aboard EDA, um, you know, I obviously brought in some uh, D&I experience um, in creating environments, you know, and trying to, uh, you know, create equity and inclusion uh, internally, as well as um, in the programs and services um, that we have uh, out there for the constituents. But to his point, you know, I came in at a time when uh, we we're just learning of the pandemic and, and realizing the effects of, um, you know, what would be a uh, economic crisis, you know, as Tim likes to say, followed behind uh, the health crisis. So um, we really focused solely, uh, you know, it was a lot of focus around uh, establishing, um, you know, those COVID emergency programs and making sure that there was an overlay of equity. And, you know, we really, um tried to um, coalesce and uh, give credence and, and give concerted thought to how we were going to uh, protect and preserve uh, a lot of our businesses within the state, particularly the underserved, you know, our marginalized businesses and, and our communities that generally don't get the, um, you know, the, the emphasis. Uh, as we speak about systemic racism and, you know, the fact that, um, Black and brown businesses have not really historic. They've never been a, a, a true part of the economy. And, um, you know, we strive with our programming to ensure that we, um, you know, we, we were concerted in our efforts there. So as it relates to some of the programming, you know, besides COVID and, and coalescing around those emergency programs, uh, we're looking at uh, we have our actual win project. Um, Governor Murphy announced that back in the uh, summer of June, and we have been able to carve out a portion of that, of the construction project, uh, 15% uh, set-aside goal for our MWBBEs, right? That's a that's the alphabet soup, our minority uh, women, veteran-owned businesses. And we've also, for the port, put together a, an advisory council where we are really um, planned and concerted as it relates to diversity, inclusion, equity, and uh, local engagement and workforce development um, around the port in, in South Jersey and Salem, New Jersey. So that's a big deal for us. And, you know, we internally, this has been in the works for quite a while, uh, you know, quite prior to me joining EDA, but, um, you know, hopefully we can uh, not only get the project done on time, but we can also ensure that equitably um, the project is out and uh, impacting uh, the folks that that we we want to impact. Right. Uh, some of the other things that we're working on uh, as it relates to venture and equity, uh, we are also looking at, um, you know, possibly uh, establishing something that's geared towards um, the underserved community as it relates to equity. Um, you know, we. We had a seed uh, diversity RFI fund that we had put out um, uh, at the end of the summer that talked about um, that asked, you know, uh, folks, what truly are the barriers to um, participating and to, uh, 
you know, uh, investing in our minority and our women-owned businesses. You know, we know that disproportionately, um, not only minority-owned, uh, but minority women-owned uh, equity uh, is is a problem. And so, um, and investing in those businesses, you know, that that has been uh, disproportionately, um, you know, highlighted as a as a huge problem, uh, not only in New Jersey but nationally. But of course, we're focused on New Jersey, and so. At that, you know, with that, we want to uh, have the necessary data and the necessary, uh, you know, the 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 actual um, barriers, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we want to make sure that we are concentrating and and putting forth effort to um, to try to uh, equalize and balance out those inequities. That's so, awesome. yeah, we do. We have a lot going on, and we're busy, um, you know. But you know, as Tim always says, you know. It, the fearless leader that he is, <laughs> he always uh, pushes us to do more and to expand and to, um, you know, to to learn from, um, you know, past and and take what we've learned and, and to put that into new programming. So we're busy. We're, um, you know, we're but we're committed and we're um, we're moving forward. That's awesome. I know there's there's a ton more also with like Angel and with film and digital tax credit. So there, there's a ton of stuff along with the disparity study. So there's a lot under your umbrella. I know we only have about two minutes. And so I want to close out quickly um, with this. I know COVID has been front and center on everybody's mind. And with this health crisis, um, we recognize that this has been a health crisis is an economic crisis that has impacted communities of color particularly hard um, as this new iteration or new strain is coming out uh what what else can we do? What else do we see that we can do to assist small businesses, small black and brown businesses? And I'm going to start with um, John Harmon and I'm going to say if people can keep it to 60 seconds or less. So you can end this on time. That would be great. But 60 seconds or less. What's next? Well, I just think we have to continue to have these types of conversations mm-hmm. and be be frank about them. Acknowledge where we have the gaps. Um, be very intentional about um, trying to address them. Uh, this vaccine, aggressively getting it into as many arms as possible. And the corporations have stepped up uh, for an additional engagement. So we want to meet them there and be able to respond with some solutions Why, while, while this environment is receptive to, to some um, some dialogue. So this could be a reset moment for the better. Mm-hmm. And so we're committed to doing our part to make it better for us all. I appreciate that. All right, Michelle, I know you just answered a question, but. Yeah, I would say, you know, more, more of a concerted effort and, um, you know, really, really being focused. You know, we recognize that trickle down does not work. We have to have systemic um, and, um, you know, uh, focused efforts towards our goal. So I would say more of that. And diversity on purpose, which I love. So I'm gonna keep on saying that. (laughs) Tim? Yeah, I'd echo a lot of what, first of all, I agree 100% with what Michelle said, but I'd echo what John said. I think it's about, there's been a lot of uh, big businesses expressing interest and expressing goodwill around making making some progress and putting some resources together. I'd like to see more of those press releases converted into programs and dollars. Um, And so, and that's not, uh, I'm actually not thinking of anyone, anyone specific, but there are lots of big entity, big enterprises and entities that have accept, that have said, it's time for us to do something and put our money where our mouth is and let's get those checks deposited. Um, that's, that's what's next. 
I think. It's a podcast, so you guys can't see. All of us are nodding our heads <laughs> in agreement or snapping. So I had to say that because there was like a lot of head nodding in agreement. So make your words, make your actions, please. Words matching your actions. Uh, and Ms. Tara Dowdell, um, small business owner extraordinaire, um, close this out. I would say, and I, I'm going to shift to corporate because I agree with 10, right? Um, I think government is actively working, right? Um, uh, to get to get this right, to get equity right, and, I, and and government is making strides. I would say the corporate sector. I, I don't. I agree with Tim. I don't want to see any more statements or any press releases or donations to something obscure. Uh, what I'd like to see is purchase goods and services from small business owners generally, and specifically Black and Brown business owners, even when they're purchasing gifts for uh, for clients. For employees, there's so many goods and services that would be more meaningful to the employees if they did make those purchases. And my last point is it actually benefits them because Gen Z, the Generation Z and millennials, they value and will spend more money with a company where there is some sort of equity component or some sort of social good component to it. So uh, so I think that we need companies to make a firm commitment. I'm going to purchase all of the goods and services, a certain percentage from small black and brown businesses. And that word diversity on purpose, intentional. Those two words. Purpose this and intention. So good. <laughs> this has been great. This is this is one of my um, one of my favorite. They're all my favorite. But thank you so much for joining us for NJEDA e conversations. Again, happy Black History Month. We celebrate Black history and successes all year round. So thank you so much for joining us and have a great day. Thank you.